Going Linux, episode 315, 10th year anniversary episode. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. In today's episode, 10 Years in Review. This could be a very long episode. Ten uh, years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, ten years. Wait Our minute. first episode was January 20th, 2007. You've been doing this ten years. Yes, sir. So that's ten years. approximately, well, I, I can cheat. I can look right here. It's 315 episodes. Mm-hmm. Yes, hmm. that's right. Maybe 16 are you counting the uh, the video tutorials you've done? No, ah, no, those are so it's actually more. Yes, yes, you could you could say that. <laughs> so let's see. Um, you've been to scale, right? Yes. You've been on Computer America. How long were you doing that? Oh, several years, uh, longer than I thought I had, <laughs> you know, when I looked at all the details, um, uh -huh. I didn't think I had been on that show for quite as long as I had. Give me a second. I can look it up. Let's see. I was there from 2009, no, 2008 through 2014. Wow. That's... I did a lot of those. Yes, you did. Because that was, uh, well, every week. Oh, yeah, it was every week, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, wow. except for, you know, at uh, at Christmas time, the end of the year stuff, they would do best of episodes, you know, repeats um, yeah. well, for I, a week or two. I have to tell you, in, in all fairness, uh, I never listened, I, well, I didn't say never, I've rarely listened to the Computer America episode. episodes. <gasps> I am so offended. And no, because I found, I found, <laughs> I, I found uh, that other guy, his he was sometimes annoying. <laughs> well, you know, that. I you're not the only person who didn't listen to the Computer America episodes. Let's just put it that way. Oh, okay. Yeah, but but uh, okay. Moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 2016. I, I like to call it the year that changed it all. Oh, uh, really? Okay. Why is that? Well. I moved to California. Yeah. That's from the East Coast. Yeah, that's that's a huge change for you, that's for sure. That was a pretty big change. I mean, had some yeah. things going on. Um yeah, it's been a it's been a wild year. Well we're recording this now, it just is two thousand seventeen. So I'm hoping that this won't be a lot less eventful. Let's put it that way. Right, right. Like no more moving all the way across the country. Maybe yeah. maybe yeah. a state or two away, but not <laughs> all the way across the country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thinking about moving just a state, a couple states over, but it's going to stay right in this general vicinity. So that's always yeah. a good thing. Um, I am not Larry. Larry's a California guy. He's never leaving. 
And um, something that I can't understand, and I hope that you can uh, answer, up until 16.04 has included support for ZFS. Yeah, you know what? I haven't really followed that at all. I yeah, I mean, I've heard about it. Uh, I listened to the Linux Action Show and <laughs> the Jupiter Broadcasting guys talking about this, but I'm not really interested in it, so I don't really follow it. Do you have any details on it? I mean, is well, it just, significant? I've played with this. Uh, well... I think uh, ZFS is uh, an awesome file system. You know, it's got all those features. You, know, you can back up. You can make images. I mean, it's just it's wild. It's got it's a real high performance um, uh, file system. And I was always in impression um, that its license, which I believe is under the BSD, was not uh, compatible with the um gpl gpl <laughs> i haven't had a lot of coffee yet so you know <laughs> you have to help me out until that caffeine gets to my brain okay no problem but i can do that i don't know how they, they pulled that off um but i'm glad to see it in there i mean i really didn't see why it couldn't be included it just everybody told me that there was no way that the licenses could work because the the bsd license is so much uh or um, liberal in a lot of aspects than the um, the GPL. Mm -hmm. And now it also depends on which GPL Ubuntu is using. I can't. I don't. I think they're still using the what is it? The uh, G, GPL, the original Version GPL. They're using two yeah. or two now. Yeah, I think uh, the Linux license is GPL version 2. Uh, the current yeah. version of the GPL is version 3, which yeah. has even more restrictions on it than the original GPL version 2. So I always found that interesting. You know, the, the GPL uh, version 3 having all these restrictions, and I'm thinking, well, from a freedom standpoint, why? <laughs> it's just let me use it how I want yeah. Yeah, well, I have described it as a GPL version 3 protects your freedoms unless you want freedom of choice. Ah. You see? So, and freedom of choice is not one of the four primary freedoms that uh, the uh, Free Software Foundation supports. That's, uh, what's his name's, uh, Stallman? Richard Stallman, yes, his his foundation. So he's always a he. I'll say this: he he always seemed to be like the the madcap professor to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a character, that's for sure. Yeah, but but I'm just saying, people can still license their open source projects into into version two, can't they? GPL version two. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. both you can use either license at this point, and you can you can select from whatever license you want as long as it serves the purposes that you have for the software that you're developing. It's just so th the version three, uh, it has some some restrictions as to what you can do, how you can do it, and um, yeah, it's just generally more restrictive, and we'll have to put a link in our show notes, I guess, to the the GPL so that people can make their own informed judgment and decision about it. And I'm sure that there will be those who disagree with me out of principle. But the fact is that 
the GPL version 3 is a restrictive license as compared with some of the other open source licenses like the BSD license, much more, much more permissive. Which is my favorite license, but uh, which, just out of curiosity, what's yours? Oh, my favorite one? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, since I'm not writing software, my licenses are more in the publishing area, and I like Creative Commons. Uh, and the Creative Commons licenses are for things that are published works like podcasts and like blog posts and things like that. And there are various versions of that that allow you control over how permissive you want to be with your particular license, including the equivalent of a BSD or an MIT type license that or an Apache type license that is extremely permissive and lets you do anything you want with it. Um, anything you want with the published work, or you can become more restrictive and require things like if you use this work, you, there's attribution and so on. So, um, yeah, that, I guess creative commons would be from a licensing perspective, something that I know a little bit about and something that, uh, would be considered my favorite if there is a favorite. Wow. Okay. The, um, how about you? Um, I don't really do a lot of publishing, but if I was going to do it, I would do it under uh, Creative Commons. Sure. I, I actually saw, uh, I was on YouTube, and just for uh, giggles, I typed going Linux, and someone had taken our audio yes. and and just uh, posted back up. But they did uh, attribute it with the the Creative Commons license at, on uh, in the description. Yeah, and that's completely permissible. Yeah. I'm like, hey, that's cool. Um, yeah. As as far as uh, licenses, like I said, there's no, well, there is a right and a wrong, but in open open source, you kind of you got you got kind of got more of a pick, yeah. Because um, some there's some of these licenses, some of this proprietary uh, software, <coughs> Windows, um, that is really if you really start reading through it, it's really restrictive. Yes. Even yeah. it, even compared to the deep. GPL version three is makes that look like it's a it's the free breakfast, but <laughs> uh, one last thing before we move on from the licenses was the the version three of that license was was that whole TiVo controversy um, some of the reason that it was changed, right? That's exactly why it was changed uh, oh. is to incorporate the restrictions to the license so that companies with hardware couldn't prevent you from taking reverse engine. Yeah. reverse engineering and, and bypassing any uh, restrictions that they have on use. Uh, Essentially, if you use GPL licensed software in a device like TiVo and it's GPL version three, you can't use it in a device like TiVo because that would, you know, be against the license. Whereas version two, you could use that software in that particular environment. That's my understanding. And, you know, I may have some of those details a little bit wrong, but uh, I'm not an expert in those licenses. Well, I, for sure. I do know uh, Linus has said that he is not going to use version three for the kernel. It's going to be version right. two. Yeah, so and that's he's, good. He's a lot smarter than me, so 
Um, I'm, I'm going to say if I got to use the GPL, I'm going to use version 2. But anyway, uh, not, not mean to be political there, but it was just kind of interesting uh, because of that ZFS brought the, all that. Um, right. Those questions well, and- up. And one last word on the version three, the provision in that license that makes it something that I really don't care for is the fact that if you use a GPL version three license software within anything that you do, it requires that you license your software that you wrote using GPL three. What? Uh, yeah, that's the that's the, the that's what I mean by it. It protects every freedom except your freedom of choice. That so, seems kind of intuitive, counterintuitive. Right. You want people to use links how they want to use it, but oh, by the way, you can't do it unless you do it how you, we you can want have you as to much freedom it. as you want, as long as you do the freedom is how we agree with it. That's exactly the the interpretation that I read into that as well. We're gonna to have to go. We're gonna to have to do an updated uh, uh, episode on all the licenses and explain them a little more in depth. Yeah, that could get very technical and very geeky very quickly. So we'll have to <laughs> be careful as to how we describe things. <laughs> okay, so maybe we should get an expert on the show to discuss it. How? Yeah. That? Uh, you, you go ahead and work on Wait a minute. That's my job. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Ooh, well, let's see if we can get Richard. No, no let's not. No, no, no. <laughs> he, he would not like us. Uh, yeah. I heard his interview on, on uh, the Linux Action Show, and uh, I I was squirming in my chair for those guys. <laughs> yeah, I actually listened to that. He, he is, um, he's militant. I'll put it that way. Anyway, so 10 years of podcasts, episodes. Yep. 10 right. years of articles on the website. Yep. 10 years of screencasts. Yes. And 10 years of co-hosts who you've just worn out. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so, yeah. Serge was my first co-host, as you remember. Mm-hmm. And he was a co-host for under a year. Uh, you were him out in less than a year? I know. So uh, he was he was the co-host, or we were co-hosts uh, of each other. We both started the show um, in the early episodes, and Serge was a Mac and Unix user, a longtime Unix user, uh, very experienced in Linux, and a uh, university professor who moved out of state, uh, got a promotion, moved out of state, and before he left the Going Linux uh, podcast he had started up his own which since has uh, f- long gone he no longer is around um, he it was the Linux install podcast he turned over the reins of that to someone else uh, when he stopped hosting that uh, and that person didn't keep it up so that podcast is long gone, as I said, although you can probably still find the episode somewhere out there. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's Surge. And okay. then, um, then came Tom. Yeah. So we had, so you had Tom for just under six years. Yeah. Uh, Tom was located in Wisconsin, US mm-hmm. of A, and he was co-host from August 2007 until April 2013. Wow! Yeah, and he was a Going Links podcast. Uh, he was he was a Going Links podcast listener who wanted to contribute to the podcast. Mm-hmm. So Tom started as a complete Linux newbie, 
who developed some pretty mad Linux skills, if I remember yes, correctly. Yes, he did. Yes, absolutely. Uh, a running joke at Tom's expense, which we still use occasionally, <laughs> uh, come from a listener and podcaster called Nightwise, who described Tom as removing the bolts from a jet engine in mid-flight. Yep. And he did. Uh, <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. I remember one uh, one time we were recording and Tom was having issues. And we're like, uh, and, and Tom was a Ubuntu user. So he had upgraded his Ubuntu machine from the very, very early stages to, for like eight or nine um, upgrades. Yeah. Upgrades. In place, you know, that's after they changed the, and, uh, the, the interface and they had added all this stuff. He just kept upgrading. He never did a clean install. And the thing was just finally saying, eh, I can't do that anymore. It's broken. <laughs> so, you know, that was, that was, we were, we were both kind of laughing at that saying, well, now it just goes to prove you can upgrade, but you know, after, you know, eight, ten, uh, in place upgrades, you might need to clean out the fluff and crud. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. But he uh, was uh, always up for a challenge. He <laughs> was, and uh, he uh, finally uh, had to step back because of some health issues and yep. and stuff. So, you know, um, uh, we uh, we miss Tom. We still get occasionally. We still have people ask about Tom and. And as far as uh, we know, I haven't talked to him in about a year, maybe a year and a half now, you know, with everything going on this year. Um, but uh, I think he's still doing okay. He's just kind of enjoying his retirement. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so, anyway. Okay. And then uh, six years of you, Bill. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you joined us in December of 2011, and you started off filling in for Tom. And we gave you the moniker of Chief Executive Minion, uh, <laughs> which was which was kind of cool. We had we, we figured we had all kinds of minions, and so we made you the Chief Executive Minion. Uh, and then in April of 2013, you became the full-time co-host. So we had three co-hosts for a while, and you uh, brought at that time the perspective of a distro hopper and Linux gamer to our discussions. Would you say you're still a distro hopper and a Linux gamer? Uh, I don't do as much gaming as I used to, and I don't, mm -hmm. and I've pretty much settled on uh, uh, Ubuntu. I, I still tinker with um, Slackware. Uh, yeah. I, I have a love-hate with that uh, distro, and, um, but yeah, pretty much I, I'm, I now have gotten to where I just, you know, like things to just work. And, uh, but every once in a while I'll get a wild hair and decide it's time to blow something away and try something different. But, uh, yeah, I still run, um, a Slackware machine. It's <laughs> when, it, when I, when I can get it to run. I mean, uh, I do, uh, I do like Slackware uh, just because it's a challenge, but uh, my main go-to is Ubuntu, and mm -hmm. uh, um, I, you know, over time I've just uh, kind of settled down a little bit. Occasionally I will try to get things running in Linux, and it's a little bit easier, but I haven't done a lot of with it lately, but it's, I think it's just not because I don't have time, it's just 
uh, I have some I need to get work done with my machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of uh, gets to be the thing that happens as maturity of use of an operating system occurs. You end up needing to get some work done with it, and you settle into whatever is most comfortable and. The experimentation is kind of more of a hobby than it is something that you do on a regular basis. At least I that's been my experience as well. And I just want to point out, it's time for my yearly uh, pay increase. You know, I think it's been under a year since you asked for a raise. But we'll grant, we'll, we'll grant it anyway. We'll give you the same percentage increase as we did last time. 100% of nothing is still nothing. As, yes. Uh, hey, <laughs> it works for me. But, you know, I yep. have to ask at least once a year for a raise. At least. At least. And I'm pretty generous, you know, yeah, you're, you're in terms of percentage generous. increases. Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> we've had 10 years of Larry Bushy. Mm-hmm. Good or bad? That's <laughs> t- not a question. Good or bad? It, 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 take it however you want. <laughs> I would say it's been pretty good. Um, you're the host and originator of the Going Links podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry, you've been using Linux full time since 2006. Yep. Uh, you also co-hosted a Windows focused podcast from 2005 to 2007. Right. Larry, according to your bio, you have Mm -hmm. over 20 years of experience as a corporate trainer and public speaker. 20 years? Mm Mm-hmm. You haven't run out of Mm -hmm. things to say yet? Nope. Still talking. (laughs) (laughs) And you're currently uh, employed providing cloud technology as a consultant for, for large corporations. Wow. Yes, sir. Yep. Okay. From 2008 through 2014... You were the monthly Linux correspondent on, on Craig Crossman's Computer America radio show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, did they did they finally decide that they wanted to go in a different direction for Linux? Uh, no, uh, I decided that I didn't really have the time to put in every week to come up with, you know, topics for supporting the show and. Yeah, so um, they they've continued with Linux segments. Uh, the host or the Linux correspondent that I had replaced was a gentleman by the name of Marcel Gagné, and my understanding is he's now their host again for the uh, Linux segments, and he has once again taken up the mantle that I took up to support the Computer America Radio Show. So life goes on. So in your 10 years of of uh, promoting Linux, do you mm-hmm. have any uh, uh, things that you're particularly proud of? Uh, yeah, I think one of the things that I am particularly proud of in, in promoting Linux and being an advocate for Linux is that we've grown the podcast to the point where we have quite a few listeners and the listeners kind of rotate in and out. We've got some longtime listeners that have been listening from the from the first episode uh, and some have started partway through and gone back and listened to all the old episodes and, and made their way forward. Quite a few folks have done that and some folks stopped listening to the show because they've either gone beyond the need for an introduction to Linux and the kind of topics that we cover and they're listening to other shows that are a little more 
well, cover a little more depth into the, the technical aspects of Linux and that sort of thing. And we're always gaining some new listeners. So I'm very proud of that. I'm also proud of the fact that one of our articles was quoted in InfoWorld, and that was the one on why a computer preloaded with Linux is the right way to go for many people. And they were, you know, they were writing articles on that kind of thing, and our article supported their argument, so they quoted it. And I think that was pretty good as well. I'm also proud of the fact that um, we've had a couple of very long-term co-hosts, you and Tom, both for about the same amount of time. Uh, 10 years is a long time to run a podcast, but six years or so is is a significant amount of time, a an award-winning amount of time to be a co-host on a show like this. And uh, congratulations to you and to Tom for sticking it out with me for so long as well. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. It has not been without its controversies. <laughs> uh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Oh, boy, those have been fun. Uh, but we won't go back. But, yeah, I remember we've had a few. Yep. So, you know, we're kind of doing a combined episode here. You know, we're kind of celebrating our 10-year anniversary and yeah. you know, seeing what was accomplished in 10 years, but, you know, we should probably move a little bit more current because I have a hard time remembering what I ate for breakfast. <laughs> so Okay. So let's go with uh, 2000, what happened in 2016. Yeah. Okay. Let's do um, that. Because it's been an interesting year. It has. And we're, you know, we, we're not going to cover everything that happened oh, in no. 2016. Just some highlights. Just some highlights. And we're going to focus on the Linux events as opposed to political events or other things that may have happened in the world in 2016. Yeah. So the first one was Fedora was the first to ship with Wayland. And that's that uh, uh, system that's uh, designed to replace X, the display system that's been used in Linux for the past uh, 20 Forever, years. it seems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that has... Uh, been a bit controversial as well and oh, really? <laughs> it's it's been a little bit difficult times getting it completed but 2016 was the year when that happened so which uh which distribution has wayland shipping in production well i know fedora does uh and i'm not sure but i think ubuntu might have it too i think it's available i'm not sure that it's shipping by default oh, yet well I think you can get it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of understand what most people say is like, you know, now X does have its limitations. I think Wayland was, was part of the effort to bring it into, you know, a, a little more updated technology. I don't know a whole lot about it, except that from what I heard, you can, you, you can do a lot more with Wayland. Uh, and, I don't know what all the technical details. I mean, I guess I should have looked at it a little closely. But, uh, you know, when I've played with some of the latest Fedoras, I really didn't notice that much of a difference. Um, but that's just me. Uh, yeah, it's it's a difference in the protocol to use for the display. And there's a lot of technical details behind that. We'll include some links in the show notes to help you dive into that if you're interesting but one of the most significant things is that 
Uh, X, the default server in Linux for 25 years or however long it was, uh, was designed to run over a network. And as a result, wasn't necessarily designed for a lot of graphical support. Although you can do things like compositing and so on with X, one of the things, I, that, as I understand it, that Wayland is trying to do is to provide better support and more capabilities around graphical displays, which will help out those folks who want to use gaming on Linux and want to better utilize the, the, the graphical display and the, the graphical capabilities of the Linux operating system. Um, there's some security uh, issues that uh, Wayland is meant to address as well. And of course, the architecture itself is different. So there are definitely some technical differences between the two. Wayland is meant to be an improvement. Um, as with any change, I'm sure there are some things that you're going to lose as a result of moving uh, from X to Wayland. I don't know any of the details around any of that. It's, um, as I said, it's something that if you're interested in that, we'll have links so that you can dig into that in depth. It's not something that... Uh, I'm really keenly interested in, so I am not an expert in it. And as you observed, Bill, from the average computer user perspective, the difference as of right now, at least, is not really noticeable. So unless you're challenging your computer in the ways that Wayland is supposed to improve it, you probably won't notice any difference at all. I would say that uh, the X system is good. I mean, I've played Quake 2 and it looked really great, so I just wanted it to work. You know, we've ha we've had a few uh, people try to um, develop a non-Linux-based system and didn't go so well. Yeah, what you're talking about there is operating systems like Firefox OS, which I guess... You could argue that maybe it had some elements of uh, Linux in there, but they wanted to develop their own um, their own operating system. And in 2016, they stopped. And that's kind of unfortunate in some ways. I mean, who needs another operating system, right? But they said <laughs> that about they said that about Windows when it first came around. Yeah. Um, and look where it is today. But Firefox OS. Uh, that's from the Mozilla Foundation, the same folks that do Firefox, the browser, and the operating system they started to develop. And it was an operating system that was for not just desktops, but specifically for phones as well. At least that was the intent. And in 2016, they announced they would uh, be the operating system that would be in the Panasonic Ultra High Definition TVs as mm -hmm. the embedded operating system, but later that same year, in about September, they announced that they had ceased developing Firefox OS, and all its related code was going to be removed from the Mozilla site. Well, I just don't know if it ever really got traction support yeah. from from users that Linux has. I mean, I. I, I didn't read their licensing. I, I can't remember how they were going to license it, but I, I don't know 
uh, it just seemed to me that there was a little bit of excitement around it and then just quickly died. So, And it was based on the Linux kernel, so technically it was a Linux distribution if you wanted to consider it that way. Um, but it, you're right, it never got the traction that it needed to continue on. And I think they decided that they needed to focus on those areas where they were getting some success and abandon the effort on Firefox OS. Yeah. Well, you know, another one, uh, another project that I'm kind of sad to see uh, go um, is Mythbuntu. They shut down. Yeah, they did. And I was a little surprised to see that. Uh, they were really the first TV operating system, if you want to describe it that way. Um, Myth TV is where it came from. Uh, and Mythbuntu, the distribution, uh, took off uh, from there and became very popular, I thought, at least, at least within those well, people that wanted to run TV on their Linux system. It was popular, uh, but unfortunately, uh, from what the uh, the developers said is when, when they first started, they had like 20 developers, and toward the end, they had two, and they said, we just can't maintain it anymore. Yeah. Now, all that being said... We want to thank them for everything they did, but they you can also still get uh, a lot of the packages they used in the repos. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you right. can still get the functionality, but Mythbuntu kind of put everything in one distro. So you have to do a little bit more work now. But, right. you know, I, I'm kind of sorry. Uh, you know, that's why it shows it's so important to be involved in some of these projects, especially if you use it. Exactly. And I think uh, for those people wanting to watch movies and uh, cut the cable company cord, Kodi seems to be the system that many people are using. So I want to describe it as popular these days. And they've got a lot of uh, a lot of capability built in and it's in the Ubuntu repositories as well. And uh Ubuntu Mate makes it very easy to install Kodi if you want to use it, and it's it's available certainly as a Debian package for anybody with a Debian-based distribution. Now, I was just going to say the world has turned upside down. Because yeah, this next yeah. one surprised. Surprised. Well, I heard about it, but I'm sitting there going, "What?" Yeah, some people say that hot places are frozen over as a result of <laughs> Microsoft joining the Linux Foundation. Yes, indeed, Microsoft loves Linux, or at least that's what they proclaim. And uh, a lot of strange things, or you might consider them strange because... Linux um, has not always been all that popular in Microsoft uh, circles. No, I think they called it a cancer. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so they've uh, Microsoft has gotten a new CEO since those days, Satya Nadella. And um, uh, the whole company has taken a little bit of a different turn in many different aspects of its business, uh, especially going to a more license-based as opposed to selling um, software in packages and delivering CDs to folks. And as a result of that, or in combination with that, or in parallel with that, their attitude towards Linux has changed as well. And they have adopted uh, open source and created some open source projects. They contribute back to the Linux uh, kernel as well. 
particularly in those areas, as you would expect, where it supports Microsoft's products in uh, virtualization and networking and those kinds of things. Is See, where it's they, not true. It's yes, not true. it's true. They're contributing back. And as a result, they've joined the Linux Foundation. And, you know, they've always had folks operating from within Microsoft that have been supporting open source um, and open source projects, including Linux. And they've just made that an official part of what they do now. And they've even put a Linux subsystem inside of uh, the Windows operating system. So you can run the Ubuntu command line from within the latest Windows operating system. What? And it's no. supported and provided by Microsoft okay, in combination uh, with Canonical. Is the sky still blue? I mean, come on. Really? I don't know. Things certainly have changed in this world. So... We uh, have always been a little bit, now, I wouldn't say we bash uh, Windows, but we've always been kind of critical of them. And when you said they moved more toward a, li a licensed uh, type of uh, business, they're, they're trying to get into that cloud um, computing part more and more. And services, that's, that's their big thing. They want to sell you services. And one right. of the things that I still do not like i do have installed on my machine because i have uh, programs for work and stuff i i can't i have to use the company mandates it mm -hmm. um but uh windows 10 it is not uh, a very privacy friendly operating system it sends quite a bit of data back even if you shut down a lot of stuff i mean there's there's news stories you can just do a search and all the major computer um, magazines have had an article about all the uh, stuff that they that the system still sends back you know they do say it's you know randomized and anonymous and stuff but uh, i tend to be a conspiracy theorist and said well it can't be too anonymous because you need information about users habits and stuff like that to make services uh work so i, I i'm not real comfortable I, I use linux uh probably about 75 percent of the time when i'm not killing zombies or something like that or using it for work but uh, I know there's a big controversy, and this is one of the things I do love about Linux. I control when I push an update through, and a lot of times I'll wait for a little bit when they issue updates just to make sure there's no problems. But right. in Windows 10, uh, they really, um, you can only postpone it so many times, and then it forces you. You have no choice. And uh, so I, I, I don't like not having control. Uh, and it's just me. I mean, it's my machine. I should be able to do with it what I want. But I, I just find it incredibly interesting that, you know, Microsoft's trying to be more friendly. But, you know, if, if you've been following any type of news, you'll see the uh, uh, stories of people getting uh, upgraded because they changed the buttons stuff like that they thought they dismissed it and it still they went left their computer and come back an hour later and it had been upgraded and it's just i still don't trust them but that's just me i'm a i i like i like 
open source. I like having a troll. I like being able to look at the code. I think you're giving them too much credit. Coming back an hour later and the and the upgrade has been completed. <laughs> I, I don't think they can do that in an hour. Oh, okay. But anyway. You, you but know anyway, yeah, I, I get the point. Yes, absolutely. Uh, like I said, I'm not bashing them. I'm just, I'm just saying I, I find um, it's kind of a conflict in, in my mind. Okay, yeah, we, we support open source. We're going to give back, which is great. You want to give back to open source? That's great. That's wonderful. But some of your business practices are pretty crappy in my book. But that's just me. Don't mean to start a firestorm. But it's just, I find that really weird that they they did finally become much more friendly. Because like I said before, uh, I believe it was Steve Ballmer who said, Linux is a cancer. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right that he was the one who said that. And because he's no longer there, things are changing things have changed things will continue to change and although they are tending towards the use of open software open source software a lot more than they have in the past they're still not an open source company truly in everything that they do and th their main objective is to make, make money make a profit and it's difficult to make money on software that you give away although you know, folks have said that they're giving away their Windows operating system for free now. Arguments to be made that how free is something that when you're required to upgrade and you're required to pay for, you know, new hardware because of that upgrade, <clears throat> because the old version won't support the hardware that you have. Or just you the vast amount of data that's sent. Yeah, that, that whole privacy thing. So bottom line, though, is that I think they're becoming much more accepting of open source as as a concept, and they're definitely getting more and more involved in it. Are we going to see a Microsoft distribution of Linux in the future? I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, they <laughs> might just do them, that. Beat them, join them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, some have even rumored that the Windows operating system will be based on Linux sometime in the future. I don't know whether that will happen or not, but we'll see. Yeah, when pigs fly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so um, we have two uh, uh, milestones, and the first one is KDE. It turned what? 20. 20 years, yes. Uh, KDE for the uninitiated is one of the desktop environments that you can get for Linux. It used to be that it would run on Windows as well. I don't know whether it still does or not, but certainly they are supporting it for Linux and BSD and other Unix-based operating systems. And it's been around for 20 years as of 2016. So they're working on their 21st year. Now, Linux turn 25 yes yes 1991 <laughs> linux has come a long way since the beginning oh that's for sure and uh you know you you can read all the history of linux uh and how it got started with linus torvalds as as a kind of a small project uh, and you know quite frankly if it weren't for uh partners like Richard Stallman, Linux probably wouldn't be where it is today. 
Richard was working on a similar sort of project. Uh, Linus had the kernel and Richard had the desktop environment or the user interface or whatever you want to call it, the, the user land uh, portion of it. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, uh, the, the com combination of the GNU tools with the Linux kernel has evolved into what we have today as Linux, or some would argue more accurately referred to as GNU Linux. Uh, and 25 years it's been around. Well, okay, I'll give credit that he helped, but I don't think he's as relevant as as he used to be. Uh, I would say if anybody deserves credit would be Fedora or Red Hat. Um, Red Hat, OpenSUSE, even Ubuntu. Uh, and let's not forget Debian. You know, mm -hmm. uh, those guys really do a lot to promote Linux. Uh, Red Hat being one of the better known ones in the Debian project, of course. Mm -hmm. So I would, uh, I would have to say, um, it was kind of like a, a, a marriage of opportunity more than anything. Yeah, I would agree that after its initial launch. Linux really took on a life of its own in the form of the various distributions, some of which are still around, like Ubuntu and Red Hat and so on, and others of which have disappeared, like Mandrake and others. Um, but in that intervening time, the real development has been on the part of the developers, and Linus Torvalds has become the chief maintainer of the Linux kernel, as he should, <laughs> you know, it could be argued that that's the right place for him. But the operating system, through its users and its developers, who are also its users, um, has taken on uh, a life of its own and has developed in many, many ways and continues to do so. And part of the success has, beca has been because of the open source model. Well, I think his title is what, Benevolent Dictator for Life or something like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one that we, we didn't um, mention, and they do a lot of good work, is the Linux Foundation. Uh, they, uh, they, they seem to be on top of things. I just, um, I like Li Linus just because he, <laughs> he, he just he just tells you what he thinks. He has no mm -hmm. filter, and I just enjoy that. Uh, you know, he's a perfectionist, and uh, uh, you know, but he's not the only one. He has a bunch of uh, developers that help him. But it's nice to be able to see someone who has really kind of kept the the focus laser sharp. Yeah. So good on him. Um, you know, I was thinking back to some of the um, uh, Linux distros I've used, and uh, I, I would say uh, one of my favorites, <laughs> even though it's, it's, I wish I could still find, I still have a CD of it somewhere. Uh, I, I need to put it in a virtual machine just to play with it again, was the one that I always liked. It was called Fedora Werewolf. It was, I think it was version 7. <laughs> I just thought. Oh, wow. You know, it was it was pretty good for back then, but it, when you can compare 
you know, three or four years ago to what we have today, you can see how much easier it is to to get things running and and it's in, it is important, uh, you know, Linus is, but I think there we need to also mention all the developers who develop all these packages, you know, the, for the games, the office, the utilities. Uh, without without applications, Linux wouldn't be where it is today. Oh, that's for sure. So, I mean, I, I would say, you know, if anything, Linux has uh, gotten easy to use, easy to install. You have plenty of choices. Some of the ones I've looked at uh, that I still have a soft spot for is Sabion. Savion's a cool one. Of course, yeah. that one's you, they throw everything. <laughs> all that. that one's based on uh, Gentoo, mm-hmm. and uh, I could never really understand Gentoo too much. It kind of made my head hurt. I mean, Slackware <laughs> makes my head hurt. But uh, yeah, what's your favorite? Do you do you have a one that you just kind of remember saying, "Hey, this is kind of nice. I enjoy it." Well, I've had several favorites over the last ten years or so, and the. One that I first tried to get started with was Mandrake, but I quickly found that it was discontinued by the time that I had started to want to begin to install software. I used that, by the way. Yeah, and I tried, uh, (laughs) but there was no support for it by the time I got to that point. So my first ones I I played around with were... um, Nopix, the live CD. Ah. Uh, the first live CD was Nopix. So I played around with that there? a little bit. It's still out there. Yep. You can still get versions of it and continue to use it. Uh, and then when I decided that I was going to install something on a computer, because with Nopix, you ran it from the live CD. That's the way you were supposed to do it. Um, I chose OpenSUSE. So yes. that was my first one that I used on a regular basis. And I used it for quite a while. And I used KDE on OpenSUSE as the main desktop environment. But when Ubuntu came around, uh, my first one that I tried was version 6.06. So <laughs> I still have seen that one too. Yeah. Uh, and I continued with Ubuntu for quite a long time and settled in on GNOME as the interface until they introduced Unity. And that was kind of the switch for me that turned me off of continuing to use Ubuntu. So I switched over to Linux Mint. That was my favorite for a while. And then when uh, Martin WinPress released the first uh, Ubuntu Mate version, I started to experiment around with that and eventually adopted it as my current favorite Linux distribution. So I've had a few favorites over the years. The main thing that I was looking for in a Linux distribution to use on a day-to-day basis is having something that just worked, having something that still gave me the control that I needed to tweak things the way I want to tweak them but was out of the box ready to use. So you didn't have to set anything up from scratch. It was easy to use. The Wi-Fi just worked. Suspend and resume just worked. The video driver just worked. And for a long time, Linux Mint did that. Uh, And I think that when 
Ubuntu Mate uh, came into being, Martin had put into it the kind of philosophy that I was looking for. It should just work, yet it should not limit your ability to do whatever you want to do, should be true to the Linux philosophy of, you know, open source and yet still be pragmatic enough to allow you to install perhaps proprietary software if that's what you wanted to do, but didn't require that you use proprietary software if you wanted to be completely open source and completely, quote, free software uh, that you could do it that way as well. But out of the box as it comes, pre-installed with what you need it to do and not 18 different versions of web browsers and 18 different versions of text editors all installed at the, out of the box. Just pick one, make that the default. And if you want to switch it to something else, let the user switch. That's what turned me on to Ubuntu Mate. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. I was just thinking as you were talking, and that's a scary proposition in itself. Is that <laughs> Which, the thinking or the talking? Both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Is that we both started with um, distros that used RPMs, and we now both use distros that are used the dev package systems. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. Um, and I think in terms of availability of software in the package managers and the whole package management scheme and the repository schemes, I think the the Debian way of doing things is a little more accessible to, to newbies. You don't have to go out and curate your own package uh, yeah. repositories like you do with RPMs. Uh, so there's less chance of making a mistake. Uh, or making a wrong choice or a choice that could lead you down the wrong path uh, yeah, with Debian that, than with happened. RPMs. That's yeah. happened to me quite a bit. But, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, all in all, I, I'm pretty pleased how 2016 has went. Uh, we've had some interesting developments. Uh, we've had some uh, controversy. We've had some stuff that makes our mind go... <laughs> You know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, all in all, it looks like Linux is doing pretty well. I don't know if we could, <laughs> we always say this, I don't know if 2017 will be the year of the desktop, but <laughs> we've said that for the past, what, three years, four years? Yeah, well, in terms of market share, we've gone above the 1% of the computer, you know, home computer operating system market. So oh, we're cool. increasing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say uh, Linux is in good hands. Uh, it's, it's progressing. Uh, and, and as we both uh, have kind of uh, said, you know, things come, things go. But there always seems to be something to step in and take over or, or something that's got a little, uh, got some more advantages. So, uh I can rest easy that I th Linux is going to be here for another 25 years. Hopefully, uh, it will continue doing um, what uh, it's doing and just keep getting better and better. I agree with you, and uh, another 25 years would be just fine for me. Do you think you'd, you'd still be doing this in another 10 years? The podcast? Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep going until I either run out of steam or something else happens to prevent me from doing it. So, uh, we'll see. 
Okay, so with that, I think we can kind of wrap up and just say it's been a good year. It's been a good 10 years. It's been a good year for Linux in 2016. I'm looking forward to seeing what 2017 holds. And I will say, Larry, what's our next episode? Well, our next episode is listener feedback. We're still continuing the same with the same format, a user experience episode. <laughs> Uh, on the 20th or thereabouts and a listener feedback episode on the 5th uh, or thereabouts of each month. And so until then, as always, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and to subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux Podcast Google Plus community. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.